Yeah, hey guys, it's Pete and welcome to another episode of the Man City Voice podcast. Um, in this episode, we're going to be discussing um, the aftermath of the 6-1 humiliation of Southampton. Absolute battering. Um, we're also going to be discussing um, and looking forward to the Champions League game this week against Shakhtar at home. The derby match this Sunday. And then we'll also spend some time uh, kind of delving into the murky um, world of um, FFP um, and all the, the recent revelation, uh, revelations that have come out um, with the uh, De Spiegel or Spiegel, um, the German magazine. Um, it's like a four-part thing that's being released um, all day this week, um, which has been much of the chat on uh, on Twitter. So that's been uh, that's been fun in the last uh, the last few days or so. And I've kind of weighed in and things. So well, we'll have a look at that. And I get my opinion on um, this uh, this whole kind of debate and debacle and everything that's kind of going on with it and the kind of controversy, etc. Um, but first of all, uh, yeah, let's look back at the um, the six one win against Southampton. Um, just another outstanding um, attacking display, really. This time, um, I think you could probably say on balance that actually for the most part of the season I've said this a few times actually it's our defence that has looked so so strong this season um, yes the attacking play is there but you kind of expect that and we wouldn't be where we are today if um, if we didn't have that but the the attacking display and the intent and everything just the movement the interplay running off the ball the work rate etc um, and just like the, the yeah the finishes and the teamwork and everything has just been absolutely outstanding and I just don't think um, that City are really getting the, the credit they deserve at the moment. There's kind of plenty of teams, you know, we're only, only two points ahead in the league. Obviously, a couple of teams have made um, a really good start in Liverpool and, and Chelsea, like we have. But I just don't think, yeah, I just don't think we're necessarily getting the recognition that we deserve in terms of um, not just the results, but just the way that we're playing. We're playing just as good as last season, um, if not um, if not a little bit better, because I think defensively we're better this season. Um, believe it or not, I think you know. Obviously, we've only conceded is it like four, four or five goals in the Premier League, which just goes to show how consistent that we've been at the back. How difficult it is for teams to, um, to score against us and also to create chances. We are the the team that lets or the opposition team create the least amount of chances. I think that was the same last season, but even less so this season. And we've got a new centre back partner um, pairing. Obviously, last season, especially at the beginning, it was Stones and Otamendi, and then obviously um, Laporte's. Uh, towards the end, it was kind of Otamendi and and company, along with a little bit of Laporte as well. Um, but this season, it's you know it's it's Stones and Laporte who's kind of the first choice pairing, especially for the big games. Played against Liverpool, has been playing in the Champions, um, some of the Champions League matches, but definitely all of the big Premier League matches like Liverpool, Spurs, um, and even the one at the weekend. So, and I expect them to play against against Man United at the weekend as well. So, yeah, just a really really good. Um, positive performance. We're just playing so well. It's just amazing. But one of my big criticisms before we kind of start looking at maybe some of the individual kind of player performances is just the kind of general analysis and general, um, yeah, just general kind of tactical analysis, I suppose, or critique of um, of City. You know, look at kind of match of the day, for instance, and start looking at kind of, I know it's, they always tend to single out individual players, but actually, as well as players like Sterling are playing, actually, it's not necessarily... Um, it's not really individual players that are kind of doing so well. It's actually the kind of the team effort, the team ethic, and the kind of every everything works off one another. And I don't think there's kind of enough um, time and dedication given to that. They're kind of bringing these weird 
things to look at, like, like the size of players. I don't think necessarily the size of players matters that much. I think obviously smaller players have a quicker and uh, shorter turning circle, lower centre of gravity, hence why they perhaps have kind of better control of the ball. But actually City also have some very tall players in there. John Stones for Port, De Bruyne, Sane, um, even Mares is not, I don't think he's the shortest either. So, um, does height necessarily have uh, have anything to do with it? Not sure. I think it's more kind of the quality of the players and the quality on the ball. So, um, but anyway, yeah, just just think that actually the kind of the analysis of City is just l- really lacking at the moment. I don't know whether it's a kind of you know people do they hate on City? I don't know. I think you can admire City clearly for the for the football, but perhaps it's there's kind of other agendas and other things going on here, um, which perhaps shouldn't really come into it, which is a bit of a shame. But, um, but yeah, overall, I think in terms of the defence, um, the I, th- I think they actually played pretty well overall. I don't think kind of Stones and Laporte looked, uh, um, looked troubled really um, during the game. Um, obviously, the you know City actually the first what tw- half an hour or so we're kind of we're three nil up, and I don't think Edison gets a little bit bored or something. I don't know what happens, but um, Edison decides to give a penalty away. And whilst I've got no concerns with Edison whatsoever, he's uh, for me best goalkeeper in the Premier League um, as just an all round package. Yeah, he might not be the best shot stopper, and the best shot stopper is um, is. Uh, is De Gea um, with Loris as well he's pretty good but actually just in terms of overall command of the penalty area um, agility yeah um, reflexes um, on the on the ball distribution yeah decision making etc he's he's the best he's the best all-round goalkeeper for me had doesn't rarely makes mistakes and I think that was one of the first mistakes that he's he's actually made I mean obviously he has you know he has a tendency to kind of go on a little wander and go kind of um you know come out of his area but I think obviously that's that kind of sweeper keeper mentality and clearly that's what um Pep wants from him and I know that's why a few years ago when we kind of got rid of Joe Hart, brought in Bravo, and then realised that Bravo wasn't the man either to, to um, uh, kind of fulfil that duty, that we've got someone like him in. It's just amazing that there is a keeper like that. There are kind of a few keepers around that potentially could do a kind of very similar job, but not to the level of Edison. And um, yeah, well, I think he's he clearly made a mistake at the weekend, but I don't see that as a, as a major issue going forward. I think perhaps he needs to kind of... Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I quite like it actually. I'm going to kind of maybe perhaps criticising there, but I don't. I actually like the fact that he's so kind of brazen with it. Comes out um, is kind of a bit cocky, um, but seems like actually is kind of a character, just a bit kind of laid back about it all. Um, and I just really, yeah, really, really like, really like Kenison. Probably one of my favourite, if not my favourite ever goalie for City. He's just, um, yeah, he's just absolute class. Um, but yeah, Mendy and Walker, just let's take them as a pair because they're full-back kind of positions. I think they had stronger, definitely stronger games against Southampton um, than they had previously, particularly against kind of Spurs, where I think they both had, um, uh, you know, this is a high standard we set. They didn't have kind of absolute nightmare games, in my opinion, but they didn't have their strongest games. And I think, yeah, Mendy had a kind of couple instances where he, um, he went missing. But yeah, for me, Mendy and Walker um, look just look more assured. Um, weren't kind of as flying down the wings, but they didn't necessarily need to. You had Sane and Sterling on the on the wings. Well, I think when you have Sane and Sterling, particularly when they're on their kind of favoured side, when they're on the left, Sane's on the left and Sterling's on the right, you don't necessarily need the fullbacks to kind of push up so much and be that kind of flying kind of wing backs almost. Um, what kind of tends to happen is, I suppose, the fullbacks will invert a little bit and we kind of become um, almost kind of you know right and left side defensive center midfielders like we've like we've seen more than than flying down the left hand side so 
yeah, it's kind of just good. I, I, yeah, I think you kind of ha- don't underestimate at that these things are actually going on. That when you know we invert the wingers, we play kind of Mars on the on the right and Sterling on the left. That actually because we can have a little bit more room in in kind of the the central central part of the field is that it gives space for the for the fullbacks to to push on. Whereas actually conversely, when we're kind of playing Sane and Sterling perhaps on their kind of traditional sides, we don't you don't necessarily need that. And um, and I think that was evident um, against Southampton. Um, but yeah, just um, then moving into obviously midfield with Fernandinho, uh, probably not one of his better games I think. Um, but behind kind of Sterling and David Silva, for me Fernandinho has probably been one of our best players this season. Um, just consistency, consistency um, just his overall and all-round play. He's just so, as you know, as you know, if you're kind of watch City, if you know anything about City the last few years, for how important Fernandinho is in that central midfield position. Um, you know, breaking up play, but also getting play going as well. And I think when a lot of pundits talk about Fernandinho. They have a lot of focus on kind of his breaking up play or kind of fouls and things. Um, but that's for me. That's not really his main part of his game. I think he's one one of his best attributes. Yeah, is breaking up play, but it's his anticipation of that. It's not um, just the fact that he's kind of a good tackler, because actually he's not particularly an amazing tackler. Really, he does miss time the odd the odd tackle. We'll kind of talk about that in a sec. Um, in Gary Neville's comments, but yeah, for me, he's just um, he didn't necessarily have his best game. But I don't know. It was it was, it was a bit strange. I don't know whether it was kind of this uh, maybe David Silva and Bernardo Silva, or maybe the fullbacks. Perhaps um, not picking up their men or finding the right space, but it just seemed that the Southampton, even though they only scored one goal, they did create quite a few chances. And it seemed that it was in that kind of central area where Fernandinho is normally kind of so good at kind of policing. But they just seem to have kind of men over a lot of the time. Um, but like I said, I'm not wasn't totally convinced to put the total blame at, at Fernandinho, but um, still think he's having an amazing season. Still played pretty, pretty well, to be fair. Um, on uh, the weekend and yeah so um, yeah that's him but like I think yeah well before we start moving on to some of the other players and how they played yeah just to kind of touch upon Gary Neville's comments um, and as City as a as a kind of as a fouling team um, I mean first of all that's just BS let's be honest <laughs> it's just it's just absolute rubbish and I I I can't believe that somebody as well respected a pundit as Gary Neville is kind of coming out with this just absolute baloney I mean it's just it's just rubbish, isn't it? It's just it's what is he going on about? We don't we we don't um if you look at the stats, um and I think um Agent Fraudy went into the um went into the details of actually looking at the some of the stats and putting them on, on Twitter and I'm sure other people did as well, but you know, we don't we, we we're by far and away not the the team that doesn't um commit the most fouls. I mean we're kind of one of the bottom teams that in terms of fouls committed. Um and and also you know we had red cards, yellow cards, all that kind of all those sorts of stats. So I just don't think it happens. But even if it did happen, like who cares? Oh, we've got like people, you know the, that um, you kind of United journalist Duncan Castles mentioning things like why don't kind of Pep just admit it that he tells the team to do it or whatever? It's just like well, I'm not being funny. If you're a professional footballer, you play football at any level, like even the level that I've played it at. If you've got people breaking on you, especially like a, a counter. You, you're gonna want to foul them, or at least kind of put them off, or um, create. A foul. I mean, I just don't. I don't get where this. 
It's not even controversy, and I think maybe he's just making a small point about it. Perhaps never was, but I just think it's just it just gets in people's minds, and then referees' minds, and it's just all about you know. And the derby's coming up, and you kind of think, well, these things shouldn't be taken in isolation. These are, you know, he's a uh, like a United, you know, what's legend or whatever, you know, but as part of that kind of class of night too, and all that kind of stuff. And he, the derby's coming up, and you know, a couple of weeks before, he's just kind of embedding little things in. Um, in people's minds and referees' minds about the fact that um, you know City are making all these fouls and things. So you know, don't be surprised on Sunday if you know City and Fernandinho particularly and other players are kind of getting um, warnings or even booked early because of because of those comments. Because you can see it's going to happen. You can see it's going to happen. It's um, I think it's irresponsible. I think it's a bit ridiculous to be honest with you. And like I said, maybe it kind of could be overblowing it a little bit. But I just think it's it's just the, when you have no stats or anything to back up. I just think it's a weird statement to make because we don't we don't commit that many fouls. Fernandinho doesn't really commit that many fouls, so it's just oh, I don't know. It's a bit it's a bit strange um, that we even kind of mention and bring this up because City have kind of so much of the ball, but actually part of their kind of you know when they lose the ball, that kind of three, four, five second press that they have in most instances. Um, you, when you have that kind of anticipation away of that form of momentum, when you are closing down players in such a way, there's a chance that you are going to miss time, miss time, miss time or make make the odd tackle. But I think that because we have so much possession in the opposition half, um, you want to make fouls in that area. You don't want to be making fouls in our in our area when they're closer to our goal and potentially it could give away kind of free kicks or even kind of bookings because they're deemed more cynical in in obviously when you're in your own kind of defending third but um but anyway just a bit of a weird kind of side note but uh, just very strange that people are kind of bringing it up in, uh, as an issue um for me one of the really pleasing things to see at the weekend was um was the form and goals and assists and just all-round play of the wingers i think sane had one of his best games um in a in a long while looked really sharp could have scored um, a couple of goals. Obviously, got the goal at the end. Um, had an absolute rocket when they kind of switched when Sterling and Sane switched sides for a, for a while, um, and he's cutting on that on that left side and absolutely hammered him. I don't know why he doesn't do that more. I mean, he's very very effective on that left side, so I wouldn't necessarily say we need to kind of do it too much more, but actually just kind of throws defenders off, throws them a little bit out, and he's got such a good sh- a hit with his left foot. Um, that I would definitely be encouraging that so he can kind of cut inside and, um, uh, and whip it in a bit like kind of, you know, Robin does and even Mars has done in recent recent weeks. So, yeah, Sane played really well. Um, but, yeah, my boy my boy Sterling, um, obviously we have, we know he has his detractors. Um, and I'll try and not mention that every time we mention Sterling, but I think it is important because, you know, to raise awareness that actually what happened what's happened with sterling what is happening continues to happen with sterling it's not normal it's not right like literally what has he done he's done he's done nothing he just wants to kind of earn a good living at the club that he feels that is going to earn the most trophies for him and it's almost like because there's i guess there's kind of you know a lot of liverpool fans in the media and and that kind of thing that he kind of gets such a bad press and clearly liverpool fans are not going to be very happy that he kind of left the club and that's kind of the main focus and area of criticism um but for me he what you know what 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 actually has he done wrong um in his career he's always very professional ever since he's played and signed for city he's been one of the most 
professional and hardworking players, always contributing, whether it's goals or assists or just kind of general hard work and um, putting in a shift. And just recently, he's just taking that to another level. His kind of his skills, his confidence, um, jinking inside the box, the runs off the ball. I mean, that goal um, for his, his second goal when he's run off, um, run off Aguero is just it's just brilliant. The movement is amazing. He's actually stood. If you look back of it, he's actually stood next to a Bournemouth defender for whatever reason. Despite the fact that he is a Bournemouth defender. He's just let him run off the ball. Not even gone with him. You look at the kind of the final um, moments when the ball's in the net. That defender stood in the middle of the goal, and there were about three players between him, um, him and Sterling. So I don't know what that defender's playing at, but he's let Sterling go. He's made a beautiful run. Guerrero's played him in, and a really nice crisp finish. Um, I think you're always going to get like what's happened with kind of in with, with the first goal, for instance. Um, he's ne- not necessarily the kind of cleanest of strikers, is he? Let's be honest with the ball. He's not a collar of, you know, he's not that. He, he hasn't got a kind of a crisp, clean strike. Like when he went to kind of strike the first shot um, for the first goal he scored, he kind of totally mistimed it. And I think you're kind of, you're going to get that. And I tell, you know, when I speak to my, I speak to my dad, I speak to my uncle about that, I kind of think you have to accept that with Stone. You have to accept that actually he's not a great striker of the ball. And perhaps, you know, yes, you can do training, you can kind of practice these things, but I think these things and that sort of technique is definitely earned from a very early young age. And unfortunately, Sterling hasn't got that. Um, so we just, you just have to kind of crack on with it and do the things that he's, uh, that he is good at with his kind of, his real quick feet, his, his touch is really good. His interplay, his movement off the ball, his, his pace, his awareness, that kind of side movement. And yeah, Peps has turned him into this really confident, confident player because he should be confident because he's got those skills. He's had those skills ever since he came through, what, 16 or whatever it was um, at Liverpool. So um, for me, he's, you know, he's in definitely in the kind of top three players of uh, for City this season he's just been outstanding his contribution in terms of goals assists and like I said all the uh, all the other things is just absolutely outstanding he's definitely on the verge of world class deserving of his new um, new contract in my opinion um, and City are, are, are a worse team without him and he's playing in all the big matches and absolutely delivering um, so for me Sterling absolute absolute hero um, absolutely putting it in for City at the moment um, but yeah moving on to kind of centre midfield Bernardo Silva, what a job is he doing in that centre midfield spot? It's, it's crazy to think that you almost kind of haven't missed um, De Bruyne, but we haven't. We like we just like mate. Perhaps we'd have won all our matches when he scored twice as many goals. I don't know. Obviously, De Bruyne looked like um, towards the end of last season playing the World Cup. He, what form he's on? Striking the ball really cleanly, really crisply. Um, it's a slight concern that he keeps getting injured, particularly around the kind of knee area. Um, that's not a great sign. But um, Bernardo Silva playing in that kind of central attacking midfield position, just on that kind of right-hand side. Um, almost a kind of like a step in from where he was last season or where he tended to play last season, either when he came off the bench or when he did start. Um, he tended to play on the kind of from the right-hand side. And again, he's doing that but slightly more centrally this time around, but just... Um, I just love Bernardo Silva. He's just he's just great, and I love his kind of all round attitude. And just looks like such a nice guy. I like to kind of you know be mates. We like I kind of see me and Bernardo Silva being being good friends. But um, uh, perhaps in the future, he knows. Um, and then yeah, his compadre right next to him, David Silva. I mean, what else is there to say about this guy? Um, in my opinion, he's been the best player, um, not only for City but in the Premier League this season. Um, you know, forget Hazard, forget Kane, forget, you know, obviously Kane's got a few goals or whatever, but probably not played that well, actually. Um, even forget kind of Sterling or whatever, forget anybody else. 
for me, uh, David Silva, you, you know, you you're cl- should be looking at the PFA Player of the Year um, and any other kind of top accolades because he's just playing so, so well. I mean, everyone knows what happened last season with um, with his son. Obviously, I can speak from personal experience of having a premature um, baby, a, a, you know, a quite premature baby as well. Um, mine was 29 weeks and um, his was kind of very, very similar. So it's nice to see that, the you know, that um, his little man's doing so well. And he's just playing so well, and he kind of got that, you know, renewed, I don't know, energy and focus, and he's not got international football anymore, and he's just playing so well, and, oh, I just don't think there's another player on the planet that's kind of playing at the level that he is in terms of his role in that that position. There's just, you know, any team in the world would want someone like uh, David Silva in that position. He's just, he's just playing so well and getting goals. And I mean, how many, how many, since the beginning of last season, and how many goals and assists has he got? I mean, he's just been involved in everything. And if he's not assisting, he's definitely assisting the assister, if that makes sense. He's just, um, he's just beautiful to watch. For me, the best player that um, I've ever seen at City, the best, um, the best player that I think City have ever had. And I think he will go down as such. Um, you know, let's let's build that statue now. Let's get it commissioned, put it outside. Um, he's, he he needs a statue. I mean, it's only going to be a small statue, let's be honest, isn't it? But let's let's get it commissioned. Let's let's have it. I mean, I don't think obviously statues aren't necessarily a thing that City do, but you know, let's um, let's start making a um, you know we can't be naming football pitches after David Silva. It needs to be something more substantial. Um, you know, maybe like a stand. I don't know, a stand or a statue. What do we reckon? Um, and then, yeah, Aguero putting another good performance. And I think Aguero's interplay with David Silva is definitely something that's kind of come to the fore in kind of recent months, especially this season. Aguero's really, really sharp. Another goal to his name. Um, I just think he's, yeah, again, just looking really, really sharp. Definitely one of our better performers this season. And I think as long as he continues to kind of play like that and score the goals, Gabriel Jesus' time is going to be limited. But I don't mind that. I think it's good competition for places. I think Jesus is a really, really outstanding young talent. Still only 21. Guerrero is obviously now, I think it's 30, isn't it? So, you know, it's he's still got he's still got a few seasons at City, no doubt about that. Just the type of player that he is. You know, he hasn't got that kind of he hasn't got that kind of Michael Owen, you know, Mbappe, whatever pace. He hasn't he hasn't got that. Um he never really has had that, you know, that kind of burst of space where he can get away from people. But he kind of he's he's smart upstairs. He's you know two or three yards ahead of people just in his mind. His touch is absolutely immense, especially around the box, um, and his finishing is second to none. In my eyes, the best Premier League striker that um, the Premier League has ever seen. Look at his kind of his minutes per goal. Um, I mean, you just think if he wasn't injured so much, well, how many goals he actually would be at now? Definitely kind of 30, 40 um, ahead. And you're talking, you know, that's then close to kind of uh, Shearer territory, isn't it? That's, you know, so that's that's how um, that's how amazing he's been at City. And I think he's had another really, really strong season. So, yeah, just a really, you know, a re- all-around um, good performance. It was nice to see Foden get some time as well. Always nice to kind of focus on uh, on little little Phil. Um, he's just doing so well at the moment. He's getting. I think he's had as much game time now, pretty much, um, as he did in the whole of last season. And there's a good chance he'll either start or play a, you know a substantial number of minutes um, for, against Shakhtar as well. So all's looking bright for, um, for Foden. A couple of really good moments for him as well. Um, just looks so comfortable um, and kind of yeah, and a, a, a definitely a different, but. 
going to be, uh, uh, I think, a long-term replacement for David Silva in that kind of central, you know, if we play that kind of same formation, that kind of left-centre uh, attacking midfield position, um, he consistently comes on for David Silva, so, um, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's going to happen, it's, I suppose it's just when, but um, the, the unfortunate thing, I guess, for, for Foden is that David Silva looks like um, he's probably playing the best football of his career, and he's 33. Um, he's never needed pace. That's not clearly Silva's game. Um, it's all about touch awareness and making space for himself. And um, as long as he can continue to do that, and I think I think he can for the next kind of three years, it would not surprise me if he's still in that side, banging in these performances, um, setting up all these goals and making making things happen for City. Um, well into you know well into his kind of 35, 36 years. So, but anyway, yeah, like absolute smashing performance from City. Um, I mean, our goal difference. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's plus twenty nine. It's the same. It's the same as our number of points. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. Um, so yeah, we're, we're you know we're we're on form. We're top of our Champions League group, um, top of the Premier League, and all is looking rosy into the quarterfinal of the of the League Cup as well. So um, yeah, that was it for then. Obviously, coming up at the weekend, we've got the derby, um, and I just think yeah, derby matches. It's always really interesting for me because kind of growing up, always dreaded derby matches. Um, and even up until probably a, a couple of years ago, you never know what you're going to get. It's always a kind of um, a surprise. And often, you know, in the last, let's be honest, in the last, what, since probably the early 2000s, once we got back into the Premier League, um, we have had some positive results, particularly at home. I remember, like, no, you know, notably the, the kind of Gary Neville mess-up um, derby. Um, when Sean Goater and uh, Nicholas Anelka scored, and we won three-one. Um, I think wasn't that the, I swear that was the game as well when Schmeichel was in goal for us, weirdly. Um, but yeah, so just yeah, growing up, especially kind of like yeah, mid early nineties when I was obviously getting getting right into football. Um, we never seem to do well against you. Know, I mean, always when we you know when Ross was playing and Quinn was playing and all those and all those other people just never seem, seem to get a result um, and often they pretty much smash us so it's yeah it, it and then obviously we had uh, the kind of wilderness era or wilderness period um, which was when I really really got into City so that's kind of like my main that's what you know was some of my main best memories um, from City being in kind of um, Division 1 and then Division 2 and back up and back up to the Premier League and then down again and yeah all the all the different um, players and results from there but yeah just um I don't know. Recent years, it's just been okay. I think I just trust Pep, and I don't. The only, the, like I said, the only. I think I've said mentioned this before, but the only match I really think that um, City don't do, uh, not do so well in. Clearly, they haven't done well in recent years. But I just think, in terms of like a confidence factor, from my point of view, um, is just the Liverpool match. It's the only a Liverpool way, particularly not at home. Liverpool way is the only match where I actually think potentially we, you know, there's a good chance that we might not get a win here and that's kind of played out the last few seasons. But, and the only other one that's kind of slightly like that is Tottenham away, but actually the last two seasons, we've done really, really well there, played really well and got and, and got kind of three points each time. So um, for me, I don't worry about going to Old Trafford. I don't, I definitely don't worry about them coming to us. But a weird, I don't think we've actually beaten them at the Etihad for since like three, three, three seasons. So that if we don't beat them this Sunday, that's four seasons. So despite my kind of confidence in Pep and my confidence um, about these about these games, about these matches, 
Um, I guess the kind of results and things haven't necessarily played out, but actually last season, that game against United at Old Trafford, I mean, that was probably one of the best performances I've ever seen. I mean, forget the 6-1. The 6-1 will go down in history. It's definitely one of my all-time favourite moments for City. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I will could watch that probably every day for the rest of my life, as well as the Aguero goal and as well as all those other things, particularly because obviously it's against United, it impacts United. And particularly because... This, you know, the six-one is 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 intrinsically linked to the Aguero goal because actually that's a ten, that's a that's a kind of a ten-point swing in terms of goal difference, and actually that's what won it for us in the end. If you actually look at the goal difference, it's that six-one that won it effectively, which is just amazing. It's beautiful. It's kind of poetic in in many ways. Um, but yeah, look, looking forward to this Sunday. I just don't fear them. I think, yeah, of course they could get a result. You mean, look at last season when we could have won the league. Um, if we beat them at the Etihad, we should be at least, what, 4-0, if not 5-0 up at halftime. Um, Gundogan with a couple of chances, Sterling with a couple of chances and missing them. But, um, you know, in many ways, just because of the way it played out and the fact that they lost to West Brom and, oh, you know, it's just so embarrassing for them. And they kind of... They, you know, we were going to win the league anyway. They kind of just, you know, they delayed the inevitable um, during that match when they came back. But then for them to lose it in midweek in a kind of nothing match when, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, for me that was that was just beautiful. To see the look on kind of United's face that they know they'd handed the title to City against basically relegated West Brom. Um, for me, that's, that, that, was just, that was just perfect. But yeah, looking forward to the match on Sunday. Like I said, I don't think... Um, I, I just don't fear them. Like I said, they could, there could be a kind of a, a, a you know a random result. They get a fluky, maybe an early, an early result. And we know how well Mourinho's teams can kind of um, bed in and um, protect a lead and that kind of thing. But I just think, and the former on at the moment, I think Lukaku's looking at kind of a dodge, uh, dodgy in terms of his availability. I don't know if that's a is that a positive or a negative. I'm not sure. <laughs> Obviously, you can't have barn door at the moment, so. Um, perhaps that's um, that's maybe a positive thing for United. Maybe he's going to play Rashford through the middle. I don't know, but um, just in terms of our team, I think I'd pretty much stick to what we did against and um, the team that we played against Southampton. I think what he tends to do though in the kind of big big matches is play players that um, that uh, you know really really experienced. So I potentially would see kind of Mares coming. Um, coming in for that match, but I don't know. We'll see. See what see what lines up against Shakhtar. Um, and obviously, yeah, moving on to Shakhtar. Obviously, we've got them this week in the Champions League. Um, I can't see too many issues there. Again, you know, it is the Champions League. We've seen in the, the kind of the first home match. Obviously, this is our second home match in the Champions League this season. Um, and the loss to Lyon. It can happen. We can have these results where they're just kind of fluke results in in many respects you know we didn't play particularly well against Leon but actually we still had the chances to kind of at least come away with a draw didn't happen but now we're still sitting top um top of the champion top of the Champions League group and I just it's just so important you can't underestimate how important it is to win the group we know kind of to our peril when we first start getting into the Champions League we either couldn't get out of the group or we finish second in the group and we draw then like a Barcelona or whatever. You know, we, we you need to win the group and give your chat give your side the best chance of playing a potentially kind of weaker opposition in in the last 16 and and just go from there really. And that's what we've done the last couple of seasons and that's why we've got to the quarterfinal and the semi-final. Um, and it, you know it hasn't worked out. We haven't got to those kind of latter, latter stages. We've got to a final, but you know by winning the group, um, it just gives you that 
but extra kind of chance, like we said, of, of potentially playing a team that is kind of just more beatable, I guess, and then you, you save yourself for the for the lap games. And I just think if you just look at kind of cross the Champions League as a general point here, that you know Liverpool um, uh, are dropping points, Tottenham are, Barcelona drop points against Inter Milan, Real Madrid aren't doing um, great shakes in either Europe or in the in their own domestic league. PSG don't look like they're, they're the same team um, that they are in in League One, and it's you know the potential's there for City to to do something um, amazing and win this trophy for the first time. So um, yeah, just I'm, I'm think I'm just I'm just really positive about um, City in the Champions League, but I can't emphasize enough how how important obviously it is to to kind of get that result. Um, in uh, which will be actually tonight against against Shakhtar. So yeah, looking forward to looking forward to the match tonight. Um, I know that uh, City fans, as a kind of general rule, I think I would say that kind of seventy five percent of the crowd probably get behind City in terms of the Champions League. But then you have that kind of drop off, the boo factor, um, and you know obviously the kind of few empty seats and yada yada. But um, I'm not concerned with that. I think when the time is right and when we're kind of playing the, the the big teams in the Champions League, that the you know the crown will be will be full. Um, and there's just yeah, it's just not a, not a consideration or concern for me. Uh, but I think yeah, I think we'll win tonight. It'd be nice to see a few players. Like I said, I kind of alluded to it in my kind of review of the the Southampton win. I think. It, for me, I would probably I would play someone like Foden. I, know I keep saying that. I'm clearly a big Foden fan, but I just think until we've got you know a big match against United at the weekend, I don't think it's like a very high risk game at home to Shakhtar. As you can see in the the away leg against Shakhtar, the away kind of match against Shakhtar, we absolutely dominated them. They're not the team that we've played previously or that's been in the Champions League previously and done kind of reasonably well. So. I, I think, you know, someone like David Silver probably needs a bit of a rest and maybe have him on the bench just in case um, things, you know, aren't aren't going your way. But I bring Mares back in. I'll play Foden. I'll potentially even play Gabriel Jesus as well. But uh, I know that obviously Aguero is kind of the, the man for the big occasion. So, um, yeah, we'll see what see what the, the kind of lineup is from, from that point of view. But, yeah, just, I'm quite positive getting a, a positive result, result against, against Shakhtar at home. And yeah, and then that's um, and that's it, I suppose, in terms of the kind of on-field football matters are concerned. Um, so we just have just a little kind of review or my thoughts on this kind of whole FFP um, situation. Um, and I think I think the first thing to kind of say is that you know what that the, the German magazine that's um, re- re- that's releasing these kind of uh, revelations. Um, they have every right to kind of look into these things, and I think what they're what they're doing and kind of maybe bringing sports teams to account, and or at least trying to hold them to account, and kind of looking into these things. I think it is a, a public service, if that makes sense. From you know, I know they're kind of a, Ger- a German team or whatever. Um, so that's kind of one element of it. So I'm not I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't be doing these things. That you know, it's kind of the the you no. Know, I think as a as a general fact of life, I think freedom of speech is one of the most important things that um, that that should be allowed, um, and obviously is allowed in terms of our our own legislation and what we stand for. But I just think you know, you read those articles, that very first article, and the absolute nonsense that's kind of the and. 
just the, the way that it's written. There's no kind of, there's no balance. There's no, <laughs> it's kind of basically written. I know it's kind of an expose, so that's not necessarily perhaps the kind of the slant they would have, but at least have a little bit of kind of, um, I don't know, almost like self, not self-awareness, but awareness of what's actually going on or kind of balance in terms of where the money that's been invested and where it's gone and kind of like the good that it's done. Um, you know, let's, let's take the kind of the first thing. Yes, City de- are clearly in breach of financial fair play. Um, I suppose, you know, the and more the point like I suppose that they're making is perhaps like the way that it was done. But clearly they were in breach of financial fair play. And City signed up to it. So I suppose if you're going to sign up to a, a, a set of rules, you know, perhaps you should, you should, there's kind of no real, you can't really then kind of moan about the fact that they're in place if you're not going to sign up to it, I suppose. But you know, what actually, what choice do you have? You can, it's not like you don't sign up to it, then you can't play in European competition. It's kind of as simple as that. But I think UEFA, obviously, as we know now, and the fact that they kind of relax some of the, the rules around FFP, but actually, in terms of City's own finances now they're in a lot healthier state in terms of the revenue and that kind of thing i don't necessarily think that it's so much of an issue these days anyway for especially for city but i do think it's a bit of a shame i think you know let's let's take the 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 example of like newcastle for instance newcastle one of the you know one of the probably best or even like leeds united for instance leeds united or newcastle one club cities in um, accessible parts of the world, have airports very close to um, uh, to where they are. You know, very kind of you know heavily populated area, especially somewhere like Leeds. I think it's one of the most populated cities in in the UK outside of London, if not the most populated city. Um, you know, once if an investor wants to invest in in Newcastle or Leeds and buy, you know, kind of either increase the stadium or you know make Ellen Road sixty thousand seats. So I'm sure they could fill it. I mean, let's you know, let's not underestimate Leeds United as a football club, or you know, Newcastle already kind of have fifty thousand fans in there uh, pretty much every week. So once if a big you know billionaire wants to buy my Ashley out, or the the Leeds owner wants to kind of invest his millions in there, and wants to start kind of hedging, effectively kind of hedging his bets in terms of. Um, having that extra outlay on kind of players and what you know whatever else with financial fair play you can't do that it's a kind of it's a closed book it you know it's and like i said city signed up to it so you can't necessarily kind of moan once you've been found out or once you've been in breach of it but other clubs have been in breach of it as well i suppose what they're you know the, the point maybe they're making is the fact that the way city have kind of breached it the way they kind of try to get tried to get around it and hide some of the finances etc um, but realistically that's going to happen you're going to sign it to something you don't agree with that you kind of threatened your way for that you're going to go to court basically and try to get this whole thing overturned that you know you know city unhappy with it you know they're going to try and find kind of ways around it um so yeah just a bit of a just a bit of a strange kind of um scenario where you know, there is so many critics and just the way that i think it's like john Dylan, isn't it, from like the Sun and the Evening Standard, the way that kind of he's going on about it. Um, and it's just kind of petulant. It's not proper journalism. Um, you know, I think he I think it's a well-known fact that he supports someone like West Ham or whatever. It kind of sounds like he should support West Ham. You just imagine if somebody brought out um uh Solomon and Gold and wanted to turn West Ham into, you know, they've got like a what is it, a 60,000 seat stadium or something ridiculous now, and they wanted to turn them into, you know, they can't they couldn't do it under financial fair play. Um because realistically, yeah, the 
and you could look at it from a kind of a what a human rights perspective but let's be frank about this we should be real about this the amount of money invested by um kind of corrupt or um you know dodgy regimes into all sorts of kind of western areas whether it be fashion whether it be architecture whether it be finance whether it be products you know there these sorts of people are invested in, in in everything that we do in kind of the auto industry everything so are you gonna you know you're gonna stop filling up your car you're gonna start stop buying cars you're gonna stop buying kind of these kind of designer sports clothes and that kind of thing no no one's got no one very few people have kind of taken that stance and so for, for anyone to kind of get on their kind of high horse around um, one you know one specific investor in kind of shake mansour around his you know his dealings or the country itself or whatever which gets very short-sighted i mean we literally have a government that refuses to sell arms to saudi arabia who are using those arms supposedly to um to bomb and kill and effectively starve people in yemen so we've got a government that thinks it's okay for us to continue our kind of you know our kind of um military weapons partners to continue and companies to sell arms to uh to saudi arabia effectively kind of starving a whole nation yet where you're expecting kind of football fans to get involved in this kind of murky world of um of you know kind of these i suppose what we would call kind of regimes that and cultures that perhaps have things a lot differently to what we do um but i don't think you you know you can't you can't necessarily look at it like that um unfortunately for i think for football fans you have to take it from a football and sporting point of view um unless you're very political and you kind of want to do those things but i think you have to be if you're going to take that stance with city and criticize them for where their money's coming from um then you've got to do that with everything and every and every walk of life you know where who invests in kind of coca-cola who invests in bmw and audi and like you know who are the who are these who are the people that have shares in all these and all these companies what's the relationship between kind of adidas and bayern munich for instance and audi and and, and bayern munich and all these you know you've got, got to look into these things you can't just kind of i think there was a, a report recently about kind of was it the um chartered standard or whatever the the, the company that um that sponsors Liverpool and kind of some dodgy dealings there. There are there are questions and deals and things that go on behind every single door. Um, and it's not to say these things are right. And obviously things related to kind of human rights abuses are clearly not right. But perhaps by having these people kind of on side, by having them close to us in terms of our interests or our sporting interests and that kind of thing, we can have kind of influence and have this dialogue with, with people and regimes and that kind of thing. Um, you know, clearly some of the things not for, it's not forgetting or forgiving anything that they've that they've done. It's just having that kind of open dialogue. And you know, you've even seen with kind of you know the Trump White House how kind of reluctant they were to kind of criticise the thing um, with the with the journalist and the, how the the Saudi Arabian um, some people from the, as part of the Saudi regime regime effectively like butchered this journalist and how reluctant they were. You know, this is somebody that's supposed to stand up for America and the American people and that kind of thing but you know he's not even willing to do that um so you're asking kind of lay football people that you know let's get this straight the money that Sheikh Mansour's put into um put into City yes has been plentiful um but actually realistically it's helped so many people and the local community especially around Manchester I have family in Manchester I know what it's done to the to the local community so 
you know the you know the jobs it's creating in terms of the construction or the long-term jobs it's created in terms of the Man City Football Academy or the stadium or the other community work they do. I mean, City were already a really good um, community-focused club, um, but it's made us even more out there, more open, more kind of in touch with the local community. The investment in youth football and youth services, the investment in women's football, amazing. How amazing, <laughs> but how bloody amazing are the Man City football the women's football team they're amazing they're ridiculous yeah it's to do with the money but they're investing in women's sport that should be something that's applauded and lauded and you know i'm a local football coach myself and it's great to see so many girls getting involved before i wish to see more there's still not enough especially at kind of the younger age levels um so you know sit you're doing so many good things um in terms of the investment with that money that yeah let's let's look into the fact that how they perhaps try to kind of um, you know hide the money or hide the taxes or whatever but why did they have to in the first place I mean I don't have to look at it from the point of view of um, somebody that's that you know has I suppose you know from a realistic from the kind of company's point of view or the club's point of view um, the Man City Football Group and kind of think well actually we have to sign up to these regulations fair play regulations so what do we do to try and get around clearly we're going to be in breach with them if we continue to have the outlays and the spending that we do so clearly they, they have to have those conversations and kind of, and you know, shock horror that UEFA don't want to kind of kick teams out of um, of the European um, competition. It doesn't look good for them. They know that the um, from the, the inception of financial fair play and what that was initially all about to what it was when it was then brought in and then what it's actually been changed to now. I mean, there's been, you know, there's no real vision for this kind of thing. There's no real kind of fairness. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just crazy. It's, it just strikes to me as the elite looking after the elite, and it's, and it's, and it's played out. It's played out in, um, in Portugal, in Spain, in France, in Germany, in, you know, even, even Scotland. <laughs> you know, the, once you create a playing field where it's un, uneven, and it's so weighted in the the clubs that are, are traditionally have been successful and let's you know let's be honest and realistic about these things the only reason why they have they are successful is because it's because of the you know it's effectively just through um you know a, a kind of a, a almost like a fluke of history the clubs that have kind of done well traditionally over um over the years clearly kind of pick up these supporters from all the small towns and cities and villages across the country across um, the many different countries and it builds up that support and then you get the kind of additional revenue through yeah through ticket sales and shirt sales and sponsorship and merchandise and TV and all that kind of stuff but look at the Premier League where the money is distributed evenly where we have that kind of um, I suppose product if you will between there's you know there's lots of big clubs and players and things when if you know if you would have if you try and put the the best the best players from the top, what, six sides, for instance, in like one club or two clubs. I have no doubt in my mind that that club or those two clubs would probably win the Champions League every single season. You think of taking the best players from Chelsea, the best players from Arsenal, the best players from Tottenham, um, and and putting, the, you know, putting what, one or two of them into, into Man City squad. I mean, it'd be pretty difficult to do that because obviously we've got such a strong squad. But even you know, you take a couple, you take Kane, you take Hazard, or you know, you, and well, how strong is your bench then? How strong is your squad? I mean, that's what's been happening in Germany. That's what's happening in Spain. That's what's happening in in Italy, and now, um, and now France. And you've just got these one, thankfully, one club that wins the league every season. 
Um, and yeah, maybe City are now going to go on to dominate. We're going to win this league for the next 10 seasons. Who knows? But like, we've got a club like Man United literally let next door, who's got just as big a resources, a bigger fan base, you know, kind of um, the lore of kind of playing for kind of United and maybe what that kind of, I, I think that's kind of eased probably in recent years, but it's still there to a certain degree. So, you know, that's, um, let's not think that it's, you know, that you like get kind of ideas above our station or whatever but just the way the, the money that's been invested the sound way that it's been invested eventually yes there's been some kind of mistakes and things along the way um but actually when you know when when the shake myself forced first took over in 2008 it was literally a few days before my wedding i would never have imagined that you know when we signed Robinho on that last day of the transfer window that we'd be here right now, like that we'd be in a stadium that's now 50 odd thousand um, and all the things that are outside the stadium, the entertainment and the kind of the access to the club and the documentary and the investment in women's football and it's um, and the news training ground, all of that. You know, I wouldn't have thought that we were there. Um, obviously, you kind of heard little things when they kind of took over and the kind of vision for the club, but Realistically, you don't know if these things are ever gonna ever gonna happen. There are many things that have been promised from lots of other owners over over the years, and I never, didn't necessarily think that that was necessarily going to be the case. Um, that they they do that with C, but it has been, and it's been brilliant, and it's been glorious, and it's been beautiful, and I've loved every single minute of it. And I look at it from a purely sporting perspective. I don't want to get involved um, in in the finances or the politics of of all this. That's for other people that are really uh, that can kind of concerned with this. I'm looking at it from a purely footballing perspective. And financial fair play just was wasn't and isn't isn't still fair. If the idea of financial fair play is to stop clubs from going bust, um, then fine. But actually, to kind of prevent investment and to kind of prevent, you know, basically investors and owners investing their own money in in a football club, I don't see the harm in that. If that's what they want to do, then you know I would not begrudge any other owner, whether it's the owner, you know, the owners of Everton or new investors in Newcastle or anything to try and kind of breach, you know, breach that gap or broach that gap between the top now, what's it now, six and everyone else, and kind of Everton are trying to do that. And I don't begrudge them. I, I want them to do it. I want Everton to do well. I want them to move into the the new stadium and kind of and, and do well. I think it's good for football. Um, I want City to win every single match, but I know that that's not realistic. I don't think we're not going to win every single cup. We're not going to win. You know, it's just, it's not happened. In the Premier League, we've had, what, I think it's like four different winners in the past, like, seven or eight seasons. And we haven't had a, a, a club retain the title for, what, ten years or something. So, it's not like, um, it's you know, the Premier League is... It's you know it's kind of a model at the moment, and obviously with you know Chelsea's investment and things as well, it's not where City probably have the um, have the 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 through you know the road that is clear where it is for like Paris Saint Germain in France, for instance, where the disparity between their finances and everyone else is so large. But whereas City, you look at the kind of total amount spent. Um, I think it's since the takeover. And effectively, I think it's in. I think United, Liverpool, City, and Chelsea have all spent over a billion. Um, I think City have just spent the most, perhaps. I think it is, but they were all within kind of a few, a couple hundred million of each other. 
So we've all, you know, we're all in the same boat. We're all spending the money. Not that's like sitting on massive outliers. And actually, we we came from such a lower base than everyone else back in 2008 that we had to spend that amount of money. Other clubs soon cottoned on to the fact that we had this money. So the prices for players went up. We spent like 20 odd million or whatever it was. It 20 odd million, near 20 odd million for Lescott. Lescott's never a 20 million pound defender in your life. But he, you know, we we had to invest we made the investment we chose and a lot of the players that we bought initially especially initially kind of local british players like you know milner lescott and barry and there was somebody else a, a winger who used to play for uh, middlesbrough but i won't mention him um so yeah there's there, there's all you know i just think this whole thing is kind of it's jealous it's jealous fans of other clubs that either the elite clubs like liverpool and man united um, or even Arsenal, where kind of Arsenal fans think that the club, everything that they, you know, their club do, does, they do it in the right way, um, and it's just not the case. Um, but you know, it's I just it just baffles me. I don't know why they can't almost be like kind of happy for you know for fans and and whatever else, um, and they, it kind of has to go this kind of murky, weird Twitter. But I suppose you expect that. Um, probably should stay away from that platform if you want to. You know, if you want to have a kind of a positive, healthy, nice life, then definitely stay away from Twitter. Um, but that's all I've got to say about that. I don't agree with financial fair play. I don't think it's going to be an issue for City anymore. I can't see any um, uh, any uh, repercussions really. Um, a, a lot of the things that you're talking about is kind of European um, uh, a focus on kind of yeah European matters and the financial fair play. In terms of UEFA, only real really covers involvement in European competition. We already served um, a punishment by having a reduced squad um, and a ban, uh, not a ban, um, a fine that was, I think, partially at least given given back to us. So, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I just think that this um, this whole thing, yeah, it is important. It's important to look at these things. Important to kind of you know, but I. You know, let's let let's be honest here. Where you know the money in terms of where, you know, the investment in like AC Milan, for instance, over the years. You're not telling me that that was the cleanest kind of um, you know investors in the world, and they kind of dominated for such a long time and kind of won trophies from the 80s to 90s and into the early 2000s. You know, their owners were no kind of shrinking violets. They were no kind of um, you know clean business or political figures or whatever. That doesn't make it right, but it's just kind of. I don't can't remember the outcry. I can't remember the outcry when um, when when that was the case. And you know, you even like the Glazers, for instance, you know, effectively just rinsing and taking money out of United, leaving them in what half a billion pounds worth of debt, but year upon year, um, that doesn't seem to be an issue. But somebody investing effectively what is their own money in a football club um, just is is the is one of the worst the, the you know the worst tragedies known to football. Uh, not the case. Wrong. Um, so that's what I've got to say about that. Come on, you Blues. Let's smash uh, Shakhtar in the Champions League this week. So let's get on to the United match. I'm going to do um, a special um, Derby Day preview, um, either Friday or Saturday. Um, but I'll tweet it out anyway um, at, um, at uh, Man City Voiced and on Twitter um, or you can kind of uh, mess with me and get involved in the, the various going-ons on Twitter at the moment particularly around FFP um, uh, on my own personal one which is at SoccerPM so yeah that's it for now um, been really good really really enjoyed this episode kind of exploring the, the different uh, few different topics um, try to do that more as we as we go on but that's it come on you blues 
Um, let's have it and I'll see you on the next episode. Yeah, hey guys, it's Peter. Welcome to another episode of the Man City Voice podcast. Um, in this episode, we're going to be discussing um, the aftermath of the 6-1 humiliation of Southampton. Absolute battering. Um, we're also going to be discussing um, and looking forward to the Champions League game this week against Shakhtar at home. The derby match this Sunday. And then we'll also spend some time uh, kind of delving into the murky um, world of um, FFP um, and all the, the recent revelation, uh, revelations that have come out um, with the uh, De Spiegel or Spiegel, um, the German magazine. Uh, it's like a four-part thing that's being released um, all day this week, um, which has been much of the chat on uh, on Twitter. So that's been uh, that's been fun in the last uh, the last few days or so. And I've kind of weighed in and things. So well, we'll have a look at that. And I get my opinion on um, this uh, this whole kind of debate and debacle and everything that's kind of going on with it and the kind of controversy, etc. Um, but first of all, uh, yeah, let's look back at the um, the six one win against Southampton. Um, just another outstanding um, attacking display, really. This time, um, I think you could probably say on balance that actually for the most part of the season I've said this a few times actually it's our defence that has looked so so strong this season um, yes the attacking play is there but you kind of expect that and we wouldn't be where we are today if um, if we didn't have that but the the attacking display and the intent and everything just the movement the interplay running off the ball the work rate etc um, and just like the, the yeah the finishes and the teamwork and everything has just been absolutely outstanding and I just don't think um, that City are really getting the, the credit they deserve at the moment. There's kind of plenty of teams, you know, we're only, only two points ahead in the league. Obviously, a couple of teams have made um, a really good start at Liverpool and, and Chelsea, like we have. But I just don't think, yeah, I just don't think we're necessarily getting the recognition that we deserve in terms of um, not just the results, but just the way that we're playing. We're playing just as good as last season, um, if not um, if not a little bit better, because I think defensively we're better this season. Um, believe it or not, I think you know. Obviously, we've only conceded is it like four, four, five goals in the Premier League, which just goes to show how consistent that we've been at the back. How difficult it is for teams to, um, to score against us, and also to create chances. We are the the team that lets the opposition team create the least amount of chances. I think that was the same last season, but even less so this season. And we've got a new centre back partner um, pairing. Obviously, last season, especially at the beginning, it was Stones and Otamendi, and then obviously um, Laporte's. Uh, towards the end, it was kind of Otamendi and and company, along with a little bit of Laporte as well. Um, but this season, it's you know it's it's Stones and Laporte is kind of the first choice pairing, especially for the big games. Played against Liverpool, has been playing in the Champions, um, some of the Champions League matches, but definitely all of the big Premier League matches like Liverpool, Spurs, um, and even the one at the weekend. So, and I expect them to play against against Man United at the weekend as well. So, yeah, just really really good. Um, positive performance, just playing so well, it's just amazing. But one of my big criticisms before we kind of start looking at maybe some of the individual kind of player performances is just the kind of general analysis and general, um, yeah, just general kind of tactical analysis, I suppose, or critique of 
um, of City. You know, look at kind of matches of the day, for instance, and started looking at kind of. I know it's, they always tend to single out individual players, but actually, as well as players like Sterling are playing, actually, it's not necessarily. Um, it's not really individual players that are kind of doing so well. It's actually the kind of the team effort, the team ethic, and the kind of every everything works off one another. And I don't think there's kind of enough um, time and dedication given to that. They're kind of bringing these weird things to look at like, like the size of players I don't think necessarily the size of players matters that much I think obviously smaller players have a quicker and uh, shorter turning circle lower centre of gravity hence why they perhaps have kind of better control of the ball but actually City also have some very tall players in there John Stones for Port De Bruyne Sane um, even Mares is not I don't think he's the shortest either so um, does height necessarily have uh, have anything to do with it? Not sure. I think it's more kind of the quality of the players and the quality on the ball. So, um, but anyway, yeah, just just think that actually the kind of the analysis of City is just l- really lacking at the moment. I don't know whether it's a kind of you know people do they hate on City? I don't know. I think you can admire City clearly for the for the football, but perhaps it's there's kind of other agendas and other things going on here, um, which perhaps shouldn't really come into it, which is a bit of a shame. But, um, but yeah, overall, I think in terms of the defence, um, the I, th- I think they actually played pretty well overall. I don't think kind of Stones and Laporte looked uh, um, looked troubled really um, during the game. Um, obviously, the you know City absolutely the first what tw- half an hour or so we're kind of we're three nil up, and I don't think Edison gets a little bit bored or something. I don't know what happens, but um, Edison decides to give a penalty away. And whilst I've got no concerns with Edison whatsoever, he's clear uh, for me best goalkeeper in the Premier League. Um, as just an all-round package, yeah, he might not be the best shot stopper, and the best shot stopper is um, is. Uh, is De Gea um, with Loris as well he's pretty good but actually just in terms of overall command of the penalty area um, agility yeah um, reflexes um, on the on the ball distribution yeah decision making etc he's he's the best he's the best all-round goalkeeper for me had doesn't rarely makes mistakes and I think that was one of the first mistakes that he's he's actually made I mean obviously he has you know he has a tendency to kind of go on a little wander and go kind of um you know come out of his area but I think obviously that's that kind of sweeper keeper mentality and clearly that's what um Pep wants from him and I know that's why a few years ago when we kind of Got rid of Joe Hart, brought in Bravo, and then realised that Bravo wasn't the man either to to um, uh, kind of fulfil that duty. That we've got someone like him in. It's just amazing that there is a keeper like that. There are kind of a few keepers around that potentially could do a kind of very similar job, but not to the level of Edison. And um, yeah, well, I think he's he clearly made a mistake at the weekend, but I don't see that as a as a major issue going forward. I think perhaps he needs to kind of. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I quite like it actually. I don't, I'm going to kind of maybe perhaps criticising there, but I don't. I actually like the fact that he's so kind of brazen with it. Comes out um, is kind of a bit cocky, um, but seems like actually is kind of a character, just a bit kind of laid back about it all. Um, and I just really, yeah, really, really like, really like Edison. Probably one of my favourite, if not my favourite ever goalie for City. He's just, um, yeah, he's just absolute class. Um, but yeah, Mendy and Walker, just let's take them as a pair because they're fullback kind of positions. I think they had stronger, definitely stronger games against Southampton um, than they had previously, particularly against kind of Spurs, where I think they both had um, 
you know, this is a high standard we set. They didn't have kind of absolute nightmare games, in my opinion, but they didn't have their strongest games. And I think, yeah, Mendy had a kind of couple instances where um, he went missing. But yeah, for me, Mendy and Walker um, looked just looked more assured. Um, weren't kind of as flying down the wings, but they didn't necessarily need to. You had Sane and Sterling on the on the wings. Well, I think when you have Sane and Sterling, particularly when they're on their kind of favoured side, when they're on the left, Sane's on the left and Sterling's on the right, you don't necessarily need the fullbacks to kind of push up so much and be that kind of flying kind of wingbacks almost. Um, what kind of tends to happen is, I suppose, the fullbacks will invert a little bit and kind of become um, almost kind of you know right and left side defensive center midfielders like we've like we've seen more than than flying down the left hand side so yeah it's kind of just good i i yeah i think you kind of don't underestimate that these things are actually going on that when you know we invert the wingers we play kind of mars on the on the right and sterling on the left that actually because we can have a little bit more room in in kind of the the central central part of the field is that it gives space for the for the fullbacks to to push on. Whereas actually conversely, when we're kind of playing Sane and Sterling perhaps on their kind of traditional sides, we don't you don't necessarily need that. And um, and I think that was evident um, against Southampton. Um, but yeah, just um, then moving into obviously midfield with Fernandinho, uh, probably not one of his better games I think. Um, but behind kind of Sterling and David Silva, for me Fernandinho has probably been one of our best players this season. Um, just consistency, consistency um, just his overall and all-round play. He's just so, as you know, as you know, if you're kind of watch City, if you know anything about the City of the last few years, for how important Fernandinho is in that central midfield position. Um, you know, breaking up play, but also getting play going as well. And I think a lot of pundits talk about Fernandinho. They have a lot of focus on kind of his breaking up play or kind of fouls and things. Um, but that's for me. That's not really his main part of his game. I think he's one one of his best attributes. Yeah, is breaking up play, but it's his anticipation of that. It's not um, just the fact that he's kind of a good tackler, because actually he's not particularly an amazing tackler. Really, he does miss time the odd the odd tackle. We'll kind of talk about that in a sec. Um, in Gary Neville's comments, but yeah, for me, he's just um, he didn't necessarily have his best game. But I don't know. It was it was, it was a bit strange. I don't know whether it was kind of this um, maybe David Silva and Bernardo Silva, or maybe the fullbacks perhaps um, not picking up their men or finding the right space, but it just seemed that the Southampton, even though they only scored one goal, they did create quite a few chances, and it seemed that it was in that kind of central area where Fernandinho is normally kind of so good at kind of policing, but they just seem to have kind of men over a lot of the time. Um, but like I said, I'm not I'm totally convinced I'll put the total blame at, at Fernandinho, but um, still think he's having an amazing season, still play pretty, pretty well, to be fair. Um, on uh, the weekend, and yeah, so um, yeah, that's him. But like, I think yeah. Well, before we start moving on to some of the other players and how they played, yeah, just to kind of touch upon Gary Neville's comments. Um, and a city as a as a kind of as a fouling team. Um, I mean, first of all, that's just BS. Let's be honest. It's just it's just absolute rubbish. And I I I can't believe that somebody as well respected a pundit as Gary Neville is kind of coming out with this just absolute baloney. I mean, it's just. It's just rubbish, isn't it? It's just, it's what is he going on about? We don't, we, we don't. Um, if you look at the stats, um, and I think um, Agent Fraudy went into the um, went into the details of actually looking at the, some of the stats and putting them on on Twitter, and I'm sure other people did as well. But you know, we don't, we we are by far and away not the the team that doesn't. Um, commit the most fouls. I mean, we're kind of one of the bottom teams that, in terms of fouls committed. Um, 
and and also you know you have red cards and yellow cards all that kind of all those sorts of stats so i just don't think it happens but even if it did happen like who cares oh we've got like people you know that that um you kind of united journalist duncan castles mentioning things like why don't kind of pep just admit it that he tells the team to do it or whatever it's just like well i'm not being funny if you're a professional footballer you've played football at any level like even the level that i've played it at if you've got people breaking on you, especially like a, a counter, you, you're gonna want to foul them or at least kind of put them off or um, create. A I mean, I just don't, I don't get where this. It's not even controversy, and I think maybe it's just making a small point about it. Perhaps never was, but I just think it's just it just gets in people's minds and then referees' minds, and it's just all about you know, and the derby's coming up, and you kind of think, well, these things shouldn't be taken in isolation. These are, you know. He's a, like a United you know, legend or whatever, you know, but as part of that kind of class of 92 and all that kind of stuff. And he, the derby's coming up and, you know, a couple of weeks before he's just kind of embedding little things in um, in people's minds and referees' minds about the fact that, um, you know, City are making all these fouls and things. So, you know, don't be surprised on Sunday if, you know, City and Fernandinho particularly and other players are kind of getting... Uh, mornings or even booked early because of because of those comments because you can see it's going to happen you can see it's going to happen it's um i think it's irresponsible i think it's a bit ridiculous to be honest with you and like i said maybe it kind of it could be overblowing it a little bit but i just think it's it's just the, when you have no stats or anything to back up i just think it's a weird statement to make because we don't we don't commit that many fouls Fernandinho doesn't really commit that many fouls so it's just oh, i don't know it's a bit it's a bit strange um that we even kind of mention and bring this up because City have kind of so much of the ball, but actually part of their kind of, you know, when they lose the ball, that kind of three, four, five second press that they have, in most instances, um, you, when you have that kind of anticipation away of that form of momentum, when you are closing down players in such a way, there's a chance that you are going to miss time a tackle or make, make the odd tackle. But I think that because we have so much possession in the opposition half, um, you want to make fouls in that area. You don't want to be making fouls in our in our area when they're closer to our goal and potentially it could give away kind of free kicks or even kind of bookings because they're deemed more cynical in in obviously when you're in your own kind of defending third. But um but anyway, just a bit of a weird kind of side note, but ugh, just very strange that people are kind of bringing it up in, uh, as an issue. Um, for me, one of the really pleasing things to see at the weekend was um, was the form and goals and assists and just all-round play of the wingers. I think Sane had one of his best games um, in, a, in a long while. Looked really sharp. Could have scored um, a couple of goals. Obviously got the goal at the end. Um, had an absolute rocket when they kind of switched, when Sterling and Sane switched sides for a, for a while. Um, and he's cut in on that, on that left side and absolutely hammered him. I don't know why he doesn't do that. More, I mean, he's very, very effective on that left side. So I wouldn't necessarily say we need to kind of do it too much more, but actually just kind of throws defenders off, throws them a little bit out. And he's got such a good sh hit with his left foot um, that I would definitely be encouraging that so he can kind of cut inside and, um, uh, and whip it in a bit like kind of, you know, Robin does and even Maras has done in recent recent weeks. So yeah, Sane played really well. Um, but yeah, my boy, my boy Sterling, um, obviously we have, we know he has his detractors. Um, and I'll try and not mention that every time we mention Sterling, but I think it is important because, you know, to raise awareness that actually what happened, what's happened with Sterling, what is happening, continues to happen with Sterling, it's not normal, it's not right. Like, literally, what has he done? 
He's done, he's done nothing. He just wants to kind of earn a good living at the club that he feels that is going to earn the most trophies for him. And it's almost like because there's, I guess there's kind of, you know, a lot of Liverpool fans in the media and, and that kind of thing that he kind of gets such a bad press. And clearly Liverpool fans are not going to be very happy that he kind of left the club and that's kind of the main focus and area of criticism. Um, but for me, he, what, you know, what, what, what actually has he done wrong um, in his career? He's always very professional. Ever since he's played and signed for City, he's been one of the most professional and hardworking players, always contributing, whether it's goals or assists or just kind of general hard work and um, putting in a shift. And just recently, he's just taking that to another level. His kind of his skills, his confidence, um, jinking inside the box, the runs off the ball. I mean, that goal... Um, for his, his second goal when he's run off, um, run off Aguero is just it's just brilliant. The movement is amazing. He's actually stood. If you look back of it, he's actually stood next to a Bournemouth defender for whatever reason. Despite the fact that he is a Bournemouth defender, he's just let him run off the ball. Not even gone with him. You look at the kind of the final um, moments when the ball's in the net. That defender stood in the middle of the goal, and there's about three players between him, um, him and Sterling. So I don't know what that defender's playing at, but. He's let Sterling go. He's made a beautiful run. Guerrero's played him in and a really nice crisp finish. Um, I think you're always going to get, like what's happened with kind of in with the first goal, for instance, um, he's not necessarily the kind of cleanest of strikers, is he? Let's be honest with the ball. He's not a collar of, you know, he's not that. He, he hasn't got a kind of a crisp, clean strike. Like when he went to kind of strike the first shot um, for the first goal he scored, he kind of totally mistimed it. And I think you're kind of, you're going to get that. And I tell... No, when I speak to my, when I speak to my dad, I speak to my uncle about. It, I kind of think you have to accept that with Sterling. You have to accept that actually he's not a great striker of the ball, and perhaps you know, yes, you can do training, you can kind of practice these things, but I think these things and that sort of technique is definitely earned from a very early young age, and unfortunately Sterling hasn't got that. Um, so we just you just have to kind of crack on with it and do the things that he's that he is good at with his kind of his real quick feet, his his touch is really good. His interplay, his movement off the ball, his, his pace, his awareness, that kind of side movement. And yeah, Pep's has turned him into this really confident confident player because he should be confident because he's got those skills. He's had those skills ever since he came through, what, 16 or whatever it was um, at Liverpool. So um, for me, he's you know he's in definitely the kind of top three players of uh, for City this season. He's just been outstanding. His contribution in terms of goals, assists, and like I said, all the, uh, all the other things is just absolutely outstanding. He's definitely on the verge of world class, deserving of his new... Um, new contract in my opinion um, and City are, are, are a worse team without him and he's playing in all the big matches and absolutely delivering um, so for me Sterling absolute absolute hero um, absolutely putting it in for City at the moment um, but yeah moving on to kind of centre midfield Bernardo Silva what a job is he doing in that centre midfield spot it's, it's, it's crazy to think that you almost kind of haven't missed um, De Bruyne but we haven't. We like. We just like. Mate, perhaps we'd have won all our matches when he scored twice as many goals. I don't know. Obviously, Bruyne looked like um, towards the end of last season playing the World Cup. He's, what form he's on? Striking the ball really cleanly, really crisply. Um, it's a slight concern that he keeps getting injured, particularly around the kind of knee area. Um, that's not a great sign. But um, Bernardo Silva playing in that kind of central attacking midfield position, just on that kind of right hand side, um, almost to kind of like a step in from where he was last season or where he tended to play last season either when he came off the bench or when he did start um, he tended to play on from the right hand side and again he's doing that but slightly more centrally this time around but just 
Um, I just love Bernardo Silva. He's just he's just great, and I love his kind of all round attitude. And just looks like such a nice guy. I like you know be mates. We like I kind of see me and Bernardo Silva being being good friends, but um, uh, perhaps in the future, you know. Um, and then yeah, his compadre right next to him, David Silva. I mean, what else is there to say? about this guy. Um, in my opinion, he's been the best player, um, not only for City, but in the Premier League this season. Um, you know, forget Hazard, forget Kane, forget, you know, obviously Kane's got a few goals or whatever, but probably not played that well, actually. Um, even forget kind of Sterling or whatever, forget anybody else. For me, uh, David Silva, you, you know, you you're cl- should be looking at the PFA Player of the Year um, and any other kind of top accolades because he's just playing so, so well. I mean, everyone knows what happened last season with um, with his son. Obviously, I can speak from personal experience of having a premature um, baby, a, a, you know, a quite premature baby as well. Um, mine was 29 weeks and um, his was kind of very, very similar. So it's nice to see that, the you know, that um, his little man's doing so well. And he's just playing so well, and he kind of got that, you know, renewed, I don't know, energy and focus, and he's not got international football anymore, and he's just playing so well. And oh, I just don't think there's another player on the planet that's kind of playing at the level that he is in terms of his role in that that position. There's just, you know, any team in the world would want someone like uh, David Silva in that position. He's just he's just playing so well and getting goals. And I mean, how many, how many since the beginning of last season? And how many goals and assists has he got? I mean, he's just been involved in everything. And if he's not assisting, he's definitely assisting the assister. If that makes sense, he's just um, he's just beautiful to watch. For me, the best player that um, I've ever seen at City, the best um, the best player that I think City have ever had. And I think he will go down as such. Um, you know, let's let's build that statue now. Let's get it commissioned, put it outside. Um, he 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 needs a statue. I mean, it's only going to be a small statue, let's be honest, isn't it? But let's let's get it commissioned. Let's let's have it. I mean, I don't think obviously statues aren't necessarily a thing that City do, but you know, let's um, let's start making a um, you know we can't be naming football pitches after David Silva. It needs to be something more substantial. Um, you know, maybe like a stand. I don't know, stand or a statue. What do we reckon? Um, and then yeah, Aguero putting another good performance. And I think Aguero's interplay with David Silva is definitely something that's kind of come to the fore in re- kind of recent months, especially this season. Aguero's really, really sharp. Another goal to his name. Um, I just think he's yeah, again, just looking really, really sharp. Definitely one of our better performers this season. And I think as long as he continues to kind of play like that and score the goals, Gabriel Jesus's time is going to be limited. But I don't mind that. I think it's good competition for place. I think Jesus is a really, really outstanding young talent. Still only 21. Guerrero is obviously now. I think it's 30, isn't it? So you know, it's he's still got he's still got a few seasons at City, no doubt about that. Just the type of player that he is. You know, he hasn't got that kind of he hasn't got that kind of Michael Owen, you know, Mbappe, whatever pace. He hasn't he hasn't got that. Um, he never really has had that, you know, that kind of burst of space where he can get away from people. But he kind of he's he's smart upstairs. He's you know two or three yards ahead of people just in his mind. His touch is absolutely immense, especially around the box, um, and his finishing is second to none. In my eyes, the best Premier League striker that um, the Premier League has ever seen. Look at his kind of his minutes per goal. Um, I mean, you just think if he wasn't injured so much, well, how many goals he actually would be at now? Definitely kind of 30, 40 um, ahead. And you're talking, you know, that's then close to kind of uh, Shearer territory, isn't it? You know, so that's that's how um, 
that's how amazing he's been at City and I think he's had another really really strong season so yeah just a really you know a really all around um, good performance it was nice to see Foden get some time as well always nice to kind of focus on uh, on little little Phil um, he's just doing so well at the moment he's getting I think he's had as much game time now pretty much um, as he did in the whole of last season and there's a good chance he'll either start or play a, you know, a substantial number of minutes um, for, against Shakhtar as well so all's looking bright for, um, for Foden a couple of really good moments for him as well um, just looks so comfortable um, and kind of yeah and a, a, a definitely a different but going to be uh, a, I think a long term replacement for David Silva in that kind of central you know if we play that kind of same formation that kind of left centre uh, attacking midfield position um, he consistently comes on for David Silva so um, you know it's uh, it, it's going to happen so I suppose it's just when but um, the the unfortunate thing I guess for, for Foden is that David Silva looks like um, he's probably playing the best football of his career and he's 33 um, he's never needed pace. That's not clearly Silva's game. Um, it's all about touch awareness and making space for himself. And um, as long as he can continue to do that, and I think I think he can for the next kind of three years, it would not surprise me if he's still in that side, banging in these performances, um, setting up all these goals and making making things happen for City. Um, well into you know well into his kind of 35, 36 year. So, but anyway, yeah, like absolute smashing performance from City. Um, I mean, our goal difference. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's plus twenty nine. It's the same. It's the same as our number of points. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. Um, so yeah, we're, we're you know we're we're on form. We're top of our Champions League group. Um, top of the Premier League, and all is looking rosy into the quarterfinal of the of the League Cup as well. So um, yeah, that was it for then. Obviously, coming up at the weekend, we've got the derby, um, and I just think yeah, derby matches. Always really interesting for me because kind of growing up, always dreaded derby matches. Um, and even up until probably a, a couple of years ago, you never know what you're going to get. It's always a kind of um, a surprise. And often, you know, in the last, let's be honest, in the last what since probably the early 2000s, once we got back into the Premier League, um, we have had some positive results, particularly at home. I remember, like no, you know, notably the the kind of Gary Neville mess up um, derby. Um, when Sean Goater and uh, Nicholas Anelka scored, and we won three-one. Um, I think wasn't that? The, I swear that was the game as well when Schmeichel was in goal for us. Weirdly, um, but yeah. So just yeah, growing up, especially kind of like yeah, mid early nineties when I was obviously getting getting right into football. Um, we never seem to do well against you. Know, I mean, always when we you know when Ross was playing and Quinn was playing and all those and all those other people just never seem, seem to get a result um, and often they pretty much smash us so it's yeah it, it and then obviously we had uh, the kind of wilderness era wilderness period um, which was when I really really got into City so that's kind of like my main that's what you know what's some of my main best memories um, from City being in kind of um, Division 1 and then Division 2 and back up and back up to the Premier League and then down again and yeah all the all the different um, players and results from there but yeah just um I don't know. Recent years, it's just been okay. I think I just trust Pep, and I don't. The only, the, like I said, the only. I think I've said mentioned this before, but the only match I really think that um, City don't do, uh, not do so well in. Clearly, they haven't done well in the recent years. But I just think, in terms of like a confidence factor, from my point of view, um, is just the Liverpool match. It's the only a Liverpool way, particularly not at home. Liverpool way. 
is the only match where I actually think potentially we, you know, there's a good chance that we might not get a win here, and that's kind of played out the last few seasons. But and the only other one that's kind of slightly like that is Tottenham away. But actually, the last two seasons we've done really, really well there. Played really well and got and, and got kind of three points each time. So um, for me, I don't worry about going to Old Trafford. I don't. I definitely don't worry about them coming to us. But a weird. I don't think we've actually beaten them at the Etihad for since like three 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 seasons. So that if we don't beat them this Sunday, that's four seasons. So despite my kind of confidence in Pep and my confidence. Um, about these about these games, about these matches, um, I guess the kind of results and things haven't necessarily played out. But actually, last season that game against United at Old Trafford, I mean, that was probably one of the best performances I've ever. Seen. I mean, forget the six-one. The six-one will go down in history. It's definitely one of my all-time favourite moments for City. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I will could watch that probably every day for the rest of my life, as well as the Aguero goal and as well as all those other things. Particularly because obviously it's against United, Impact United, and particularly because this you know the six one is 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 intrinsically linked to the Aguero goal because actually that's a ten that's a that's a kind of a ten point swing in terms of goal difference, and actually that's what won it for us in the end. If you actually look at the goal difference, it's that six one that won it effectively, which is just amazing. It's beautiful. It's kind of poetic and in many ways. Um, but yeah, look, looking forward to this Sunday. I just don't fear them. I think, yeah, of course they could get a result. You mean look at last season when we could have won the league. Um, if we beat them at the Etihad, we should be at least, what, 4-0, if not 5-0 up at halftime. Um, Gundogan with a couple of chances, Sterling with a couple of chances and missing them. But, um, you know, in many ways, just because of the way it played out and the fact that they lost to West Brom and, oh, you know, it's just so embarrassing for them. And they kind of... They, you know, we were going to win the league anyway. They kind of just, you know, they delayed the inevitable um, during that match when they came back. But then for them to lose it in midweek in a kind of nothing match when, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, for me that was that was just beautiful. To see the look on kind of United's face that they know they'd handed the title to City against basically relegated West Brom. Um, for me, that's, that, that, was just, that was just perfect. But yeah, looking forward to the match on Sunday. Like I said, I don't think... Um, I, I just don't fear them. Like I said, they could there could be a kind of a, a, a you know a random result. They get a fluky, maybe an early, an early result. We know how well Mourinho's teams can kind of um, bed in and um, protect a lead and that kind of thing. But I just think, and the former on at the moment, I think Lukaku's looking at kind of a dodge, uh, dodgy in terms of his availability. I don't know if that's a is that a positive or a negative? I'm not sure. <laughs> Obviously, you can have barn door at the moment, so. Um, perhaps that's um, that's maybe a positive thing for United. Maybe he's going to play Rashford through the middle. I don't know, but um, just in terms of our team, I think I'd pretty much stick to what we did against and um, the team that we played against Southampton. I think what he tends to do though in the kind of big big matches is play players that um, that uh, you know really really experienced. So I potentially would see kind of Mares coming. Um, coming in for that match, but I don't know. We'll see. See what see what lines up against Shakhtar. Um, and obviously, yeah, moving on to Shakhtar. Obviously, we've got them this week in the Champions League. Um, I can't see too many issues there. Again, you know, it is the Champions League. We've seen in the, the kind of the first home match. Obviously, this is our second home match in the Champions League this season. Um, and the loss to Lyon. It can happen. We can have these results where they're just kind of fluke results in in many respects you know we didn't play particularly well against Leon but actually we still had the chances to kind of at least come away with a draw didn't happen but now we're still sitting top um top of the champ, champion top of the Champions League group 
and I just it's just so important you can't underestimate how important it is to win the group we know kind of to our peril when we first started getting into the Champions League we either couldn't get out of the group or we finish second in the group and we draw then like a Barcelona or whatever you know we, we you need to win the group and give your chat give your side the best chance of playing a potentially kind of weaker opposition in in the last 16 and and just go from there really and that's what we've done the last couple of seasons and that's why we've got to the quarterfinal and the semi-final um and it, you know it hasn't worked out we haven't got to those kind of latter lat stages we've got to a final but you know by winning the group um it just gives you that that extra kind of chance like we said of, of potentially playing a team that is kind of just more beatable i guess and you, you save yourself for the for the lap games and i just think if you just look at kind of cross the champions league as a general point here that you know, Liverpool um, uh, are dropping points. Tottenham are. Barcelona drop points against Inter Milan. Real Madrid aren't doing um, great shakes in either Europe or in the in their own domestic league. PSG don't look like they're, they're the same team um, that they are in in League One. And it's you know the potential's there for City to to do something um, amazing and win this trophy for the first time. So um, yeah, just I'm. I'm think I'm just I'm just really positive about um, sitting in the Champions League, but I can't emphasize enough how how important obviously it is to to kind of get that result um, in, uh, which will be actually tonight against against Shakhtar. So yeah, looking forward to looking forward to the match tonight. Um, I know that uh, City fans, as a kind of general rule, I think I would say that kind of 75% of the crowd probably get behind City in terms of the Champions League. But then you have that kind of drop off, the boo factor. Um, and you know, obviously, the kind of few empty seats and yada yada. But um, I'm not concerned with that. I think when the time is right and when we're kind of playing the, the the big teams in the Champions League, that the you know the crowd will be will be full. Um, and this just yeah, it's just not a not a consideration or concern for me. Uh, but I think yeah, I think we'll win tonight. It'd be nice to see a few players. Like I said, I kind of alluded to it in my kind of review of the the Southampton win. I think. It, for me, I would probably I would play someone like Foden. I know I keep saying that. I'm clearly a big Foden fan, but I just think until we've got you know big match against United at the weekend, I don't think it's like a very high risk game at home to Shakhtar. As you can see in the the away leg against Shakhtar, the away kind of match against Shakhtar, we absolutely dominated them. They're not the team that we've played previously or that's been in the Champions League previously and done kind of reasonably well. So. I, I think, you know, someone like David Silver probably needs a bit of a rest and maybe have him on the bench just in case um, things, you know, aren't aren't going your way. But I bring Mares back in. I'll play Foden. I'll potentially even play Gabriel Jesus as well. But uh, I know that obviously Aguero is kind of the, the man for the big occasion. So, um, yeah, we'll see what see what the, the kind of lineup is from, from that point of view. But, yeah, just, I'm quite positive getting a, a positive result against, against Shakhtar at home. And yeah, and then that's um, and that's it, I suppose, in terms of the kind of on-field football matters are concerned. Um, so we just have just a little kind of review or my thoughts on this kind of whole FFP um, situation. Um, and I think I think the first thing to kind of say is that you know what that the, the German magazine that's um, re re that's releasing these kind of uh, revelations. Um, they have every right to kind of look into these things, and I think what they're what they're doing and kind of maybe bringing sports teams to account, and or at least trying to hold them to account, and kind of looking into these things. I think it is a, a public service, if that makes sense. From you know, I know they're kind of a, ger a German team or whatever. Um, 
so that's kind of one element of it. So I'm not I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't be doing these things. That you know, it's kind of the the you know. I think as a as a general fact of life, I think freedom of speech is one of the most important things that um, uh, that that should be allowed, um, and obviously is allowed in terms of our our own legislation, what we stand for. But I just think you know, you read those articles, that very first article, and the absolute nonsense that's kind of the and. Just the, like, the way that it's written. There's no kind of, there's no balance. There's no, <laughs> it's kind of basically written. I know it's kind of an expose, so that's not necessarily perhaps the kind of the slant they would have. But at least have a little bit of kind of, um, I don't know, almost like self, not self-awareness, but awareness of what's actually going on or kind of balance in terms of where the money that's been invested and where it's gone and kind of like the good that it's done. Um, you know, let's, let's take the kind of the first thing yes city are clearly in breach of financial fair play um i suppose you know the and more the point like i suppose that they're making is perhaps like the way that it was done but clearly they were in breach of financial fair play and city signed up to it so i suppose if you're going to sign up to a, a set of rules you know perhaps you should you should there's kind of no real you can't really then kind of moan about the fact that they're in place if you're not going to sign up to it i suppose but you know what actually what choice do you have you can it's not like you don't sign up to them and then you can't play in european competition it's kind of as simple as that but i think uefa obviously as we know now and the fact that they've kind of relaxed some of the the rules around ffp but actually in terms of city's own finances now they're in a lot healthier state in terms of the revenue and that kind of thing i don't necessarily think that it's so much of an issue these days anyway for especially for city but i do think it's a bit of a shame i think you know let's let's take the 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 example of like newcastle for instance newcastle one of the you know one of the probably best or even like leeds united for instance leeds united or newcastle one club cities in um, accessible parts of the world have airports very close to um, uh, to where they are. You know, very kind of you know heavily populated areas, especially somewhere like Leeds. I think it's one of the most populated cities in in the UK outside of London, if not the most populated city. Um, you know, once if an investor wants to invest in in Newcastle or Leeds and buy, you know, kind of either increase the stadium or you know make Ellen Road sixty thousand seats. So I'm sure they could fill it. I mean, let's you know let's not underestimate Leeds United as a football club. Or you know Newcastle already kind of have fifty thousand fans in there uh, pretty much every week. So once if a big you know billionaire wants to buy Mike Ashley out, or the the Leeds owner wants to kind of invest his millions in there, and wants to start kind of hedging, effectively kind of hedging his bets in terms of um, having that extra outlay on kind of players and what you know whatever else. With financial fair play, you can't do that. It's a kind of it's a closed book. It you know it's. And like I said, City signed up to it, so you can't necessarily kind of moan once you've been found out or once you've been in breach of it. But other clubs have been in breach of it as well. I suppose what they're, you know, the point maybe they're making is the fact that the way City have kind of breached it, the way they kind of try to get tried to get round it and hide some of the finances, etc. Um, but realistically, that's going to happen. You're going to sign it to something that you don't agree with, that you kind of threatened your way for that you're going to go to court basically and try to get this whole thing overturned. That you know, you know, City unhappy with it. You know they're going to try and find kind of ways around it. Um, so yeah, just a bit of a just a bit of a strange kind of um, scenario where you know, there is so many critics, and just the way that I think it's like John Dillon, isn't it, from like the Sun and the Evening Standard, the way that kind of he's going on about it, um, and it's just kind of petulant. It's not proper journalism. 
Um, you know, I think he, I think it's a well-known fact that he supports someone like West Ham or whatever. It kind of sounds like he should support West Ham. Just imagine if somebody brought out um, uh, Solomon and Gold and wanted to turn West Ham into, you know, they've got like a, what is it, 60,000 seat stadium or something ridiculous now. And they wanted to turn them into, you know, they can't, they couldn't do it under financial fair play. Because um, realistically, yeah, the, and you could look at it from a kind of a, what, a human rights perspective. But let's be frank about this. We should be real about this. The amount of money invested by um, kind of corrupt or, um, you know, dodgy regimes into all sorts of kind of Western areas, whether it be fashion, whether it be architecture, whether it be finance, whether it be products, you know, they're, they're, these sorts of people are invested in, in, in everything that we do, in kind of the auto industry, everything. So are you going to, you know, are you going to stop filling up your car? Are you going to start stop buying cars you're going to stop buying kind of these kind of designer sports clothes and that kind of thing no no one's got no one very few people have kind of taken that stance and so for, for anyone to kind of get on their kind of high horse around um, one you know one specific investor in kind of Sheikh Mansour around his you know his dealings or the country itself or whatever which I think it's very short-sighted I mean we literally have a government that refuses to sell arms to Saudi Arabia who are using those arms supposedly to um, to bomb and kill and effectively starve people in Yemen. So we've got a government that thinks it's okay for us to continue our kind of, you know, our kind of um, military weapons partners to continue and companies to sell arms to uh, to Saudi Arabia, effectively kind of starving a whole nation. Yet we're you're expecting kind of football fans to get involved in this kind of murky world of um, of you know kind of these. I suppose what we would call kind of regimes that and cultures that perhaps have things a lot differently to what we do. Um, but I don't think you you know you can't you can't necessarily look at it like that. Um, unfortunately, for I think for football fans, you have to take it from a football and sporting point of view. Um, unless you're very political and you kind of want to do those things, but I think you have to be if you're going to take that stance with City and criticise them for where their money's coming from. Um, then you've got to do that with everything and every and every walk of life. You know, where, who invests in kind of Coca-Cola? Who invests in BMW and Audi? And like, you know, who are the who are these who are the people that have shares in all these and all these companies? What's the relationship between kind of Adidas and Bayern Munich, for instance, and Audi and and, and Bayern Munich and all these? You know, you've got, got to look into these things. You can't just kind of. I think there was a, a report recently about kind of was it the um, Chartered Standard or whatever the the, the company that. Um, that sponsors Liverpool and kind of some dodgy dealings there. There are there are questions and deals and things that go on behind every single door. Um, and it's not to say these things are right. And obviously things related to kind of human rights abuses are clearly not right. But perhaps by having these people kind of on side, by having them close to us in terms of our interests or sporting interests and that kind of thing, we can have kind of influence and have this dialogue with, with people and regimes and that kind of thing. Um, you know, clearly some of the things not it's not forgetting or forgiving anything that they've that they've done. It's just having that kind of open dialogue. And you know, you've even seen with kind of you know the Trump White House how kind of reluctant they were to kind of criticise the thing um, with the with the journalist and the, how the the Saudi Arabian um, some people from the, as part of the Saudi Arabian regime effectively like butchered this journalist and how reluctant they were. You know, this is somebody that's supposed to stand up for America and the American people and that kind of thing but you know he's not even willing to do that um so you're asking kind of lay football people that 
you know, let's get this straight. The money that Sheikh Mansour's put into um, put into City, yes, has been plentiful, um, but actually, realistically, it's helped so many people and the local community, especially around Manchester. I have family in Manchester. I know what it's done to the to the local community. So. You know the you know the jobs it's created in terms of construction, or the long-term jobs it's created in terms of the Man City Football Academy, or the stadium, or the other community work they do. I mean, City were already a really good um, community-focused club, um, but it's made us even more out there, more, more open, more kind of in touch with the local community. The investment in youth football and youth services, the investment in women's football, amazing! How amazing! <laughs> but how bloody amazing are the Man City? football the women's football team they're amazing they're ridiculous yeah it's to do with the money but they're investing in women's sport that should be something that's applauded and lauded and you know i'm a local football coach myself and it's great to see so many girls getting involved before i wish to see more there's still not enough especially at kind of the younger age levels um so you know city are doing so many good things um in terms of the investment with that money that yeah let's let's look into the fact that how they perhaps try to kind of um, you know, hide the money or hide the taxes or whatever, but why did they have to in the first place? I mean, I don't have to look at it from the point of view of um, somebody that's, that, you know, has, I suppose, you know, from a realistic, from the kind of company's point of view or the club's point of view, um, the Man City Football Group, and kind of think, well, actually, we have to sign up to these regulations, fair play regulations, so what do we do to try and get around? Clearly, we're going to be in breach with them if we continue to have the outlays and the spending that we do. So clearly they, they have to have those conversations and kind of, and you know, shock horror that UEFA don't want to kind of kick teams out of um, of the European um, competition. It doesn't look good for them. They know that the um, from the, the inception of financial fair play and what that was initially all about to what it was when it was then brought in and then what it's actually been changed to now. I mean, there's been, you know, there's no real vision for this kind of thing. There's no real kind of fairness. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just crazy. It just strikes to me as the elite looking after the elite, and it's and it's and it's played out. It's played out in, um, in Portugal, in Spain, in France, in Germany, in you know even, even Scotland. <laughs> you know, the, once you create a playing field where it's un, uneven, and it's so weighted in the the clubs that are, are traditionally have been successful unless you know let's be honest and realistic about these things the only reason why they have they are successful is because it's because of the you know it's effectively just through um you know a, a kind of a, a almost like a fluke of history the clubs that have kind of done well traditionally over um over the years clearly kind of pick up these supporters from all the small towns and cities and villages or whatever across the country across um, the many different countries and it builds up that support and then you get the kind of additional revenue through yeah through ticket sales and shirt sales and sponsorship and merchandise and TV and all that kind of stuff but look at the Premier League where the money is distributed evenly where we have that kind of um, I suppose product if you will between there's you know there's lots of big clubs and players and things when if you know if you would have if you try and put the the best the best players from the top what six sides for instance in like one club or two clubs i have no doubt in my mind that that club or those two clubs would probably win the champions league every single season you think of taking the best players from chelsea the best players from arsenal the best players from tottenham um and and putting the you know putting what one or two of them into into man city squad 
I mean, it'd be pretty difficult to do that because obviously we've got such a strong squad. But even you know, you take a couple, you take Kane, you take Hazard, or you know, and well, how strong is your bench then? How strong is your squad? I mean, that's what's been happening in Germany. That's what's happening in Spain. That's what's happening in in Italy, and now, um, and now France. And you just got these one, thankfully, one club that wins the league every season. Um, and yeah, maybe City are now going to go on to dominate. We're going to win this league for the next ten seasons. Who knows? But like we've got a club like Man United, literally let next door, who's got just as big a resources, a bigger fan base. You know, kind of um, the law of kind of playing for kind of United and maybe what that kind of. I, I think that's kind of eased probably in recent years, but it's still there to a certain degree. So, you know, let's um, let's not think that it's you know that you like get kind of ideas above our station or whatever but just the way the, the money that's been invested the sound way that it's been invested eventually yes there's been some kind of mistakes and things along the way um but actually when you know when when the shake myself forced at first took over in 2008 it was literally a few days before my wedding i would never have imagined that you know when we signed rabinio on that last day of the transfer window that we'd be here right now, like that we'd be in a stadium that's now 50 odd thousand um, and all the things that are outside the stadium, the entertainment and the kind of the access to the club and the documentary and the investment in women's football and it's um, and the news training ground, all of that. You know, I wouldn't have thought that we were there. Um, obviously, you kind of heard little things when they kind of took over and kind of vision for the club. but. Realistically, you don't know if these things are ever gonna ever gonna happen. There are many things that have been promised from lots of other owners over over the years, and I never, didn't necessarily think that, that was necessarily going to be the case um, that they they do that with C. But it has been, and it's been brilliant, and it's been glorious, and it's been beautiful, and I've loved every single minute of it. And I look at it from a purely sporting perspective. I don't want to get involved um, in in the finances or the politics of of all this. That's for other people that are really uh, that can kind of concerned with this. I'm looking at it from a purely footballing perspective. And financial fair play just was wasn't and isn't isn't still fair. If the idea of financial fair play is to stop clubs from going bust, um, then fine. But actually, to kind of prevent investment and to kind of prevent, you know, basically investors and owners investing their own money in in a football club, I don't see the harm in that. If that's what they want to do, then you know I would not begrudge any other owner, whether it's the owner, you know, the owners of Everton or new investors in Newcastle or anything, to try and kind of breach, you know, breach that gap or broach that gap between the top now, what is it now, six and everyone else, and kind of Everton are trying to do that. And I don't begrudge them. I, I want them to do it. I want Everton to do well. I want them to move into the, the new stadium and kind of and, and do well. I think it's good for football. Um, I want City to win every single match, but I know that that's not realistic. I don't think we're not going to win every single cup. We're not going to win. You know, it's just it's not happened in the Premier League. We've had what I think it's like four different winners in the past like seven or eight seasons, and we haven't had a, a, a club retain the title for what ten years or something. So it's not like um, it's you know the Premier League is. It's you know it's kind of a model at the moment, and obviously with you know Chelsea's investment and things as well. It's not where City probably have the um, have the 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 through you know the road that is clear where it is for like Paris Saint Germain in France, for instance, where the disparity between their finances and everyone else is so large. But whereas City, you look at the kind of total amount spent. Um, I think it's since the takeover. 
And effectively, I think it's in... I think United, Liverpool, City and Chelsea have all spent over a billion. Um, I think City have just spent the most, perhaps, I think it is. But they were all within kind of a few, a couple hundred million of each other. So we've all, you know, we're all in the same boat. We're all spending the money. Not that's like City are massive outliers. And actually, we we came from such a lower base than everyone else back in 2008 that we had to spend that amount of money. Other clubs soon cottoned on to the fact that we had this money. So the prices for players went up. We spent like 20 odd million or whatever it was. It 20 odd million, near 20 odd million. For Lescott. Lescott's never a £20 million defender in your life. But he, you know, we we had to invest. We made the investment. We chose. And a lot of the players that we bought initially, especially initially, kind of local British players, like, you know, Milner, Lescott, and Barry, and there was somebody else, a, a winger who used to play for uh, Middlesbrough, but I won't mention him. Um, so, yeah, there's, there, there's all, you know, I just think this whole thing is kind of, it's jealous, it's jealous fans of other clubs that either the elite clubs like Liverpool and Man United, um, or even Arsenal, where kind of Arsenal fans think that the club, everything that they, you know, their club do, does, they do it in the right way, um, and it's just not the case. Um, but, you know, it's, I just, it just baffles me. I don't know why they can't almost be like kind of happy for, you know, for fans and, and whatever else, um, and they, it kind of has to go this kind of murky weird Twitter but I suppose you expect that um, probably should stay away from that platform if you want to you know if you want to have a kind of a positive healthy nice life then definitely stay away from Twitter um, but that's all I've got to say about that I don't agree with financial fair play I don't think it's going to be an issue for City anymore I can't see any um, uh, any uh, repercussions really um, a, a lot of the things that you're talking about is kind of European um, uh a focus on kind of yeah European matters and the financial fair play in terms of UEFA only real really covers involvement in European competition. We already served um, a punishment by having a reduced squad um, and a ban, and, uh, not a ban, um, a fine that was I think partially at least given given back to us. So yeah, anyway, um, yeah, I just think that this um, this whole thing yeah it is important. It's important to look at these things. Important to kind of you know, but I. You know, let's let let's be honest here. We're, you know, the money in terms of where, you know, the investment in like AC Milan, for instance, over the years. You're not telling me that that was the cleanest kind of um, you know investors in the world, and they kind of dominated for such a long time and kind of won trophies from the 80s and 90s and into the early 2000s. You know, their owners were no kind of shrinking violets. They were no kind of um, you know clean business or political figures or whatever. That doesn't make it right, but it's just kind of. I don't can't remember the outcry. I can't remember the outcry when um, when when that was the case. And you know, you even like the Glazers, for instance, you know, effectively just rinsing and taking money out of United, leaving them in what half a billion pounds worth of debt year upon year. Um, that doesn't seem to be an issue. But somebody investing effectively what is their own money in a football club um, just is is the is one of the worst the the you know the worst tragedies known to football. Uh, not the case. Wrong. Um, so that's what I've got to say about that. Come on, you blues. Let's smash uh, Shakhtar in the Champions League this week. So let's get on to the United match. I'm going to do um, a special um, Derby Day preview, um, either Friday or Saturday. Um, but I'll tweet it out anyway um, at, um, at uh, Man City Voiced. And on Twitter, um, or you can kind of uh, mess with me and get involved in the the various going ons on Twitter at the moment, particularly around FFP. 
um, uh, on my own personal one, which is at Soccer PM. So yeah, that's it for now. Um, been really good. Really, really enjoyed this episode. Kind of exploring the the different uh, few different topics. Um, try to do that more as we as we go on. But that's it. Come on, you blues. Um, let's have it, and I'll see you on the next episode.